I'm Johnny C, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Today's guest, you've, well, actually today's two guests. That's right, we got a two for for you. Well, the first gentleman who I'm going to introduce has been on the show multiple times and is pretty much a, a series regular. You've heard him on several podcasts before, including the History of Comics. If you haven't heard those, there's two of them. There's the History of Comics and the History of Comics Second Semester. Retail, which is his creator-owned book, the first book was written and created by my guest with art by Sean Dillon, edited by Erica Schultz, and Cardinal Ray did lettering. So now we're here at retail issue number two, which the creative team is relatively the same, except now in this one we have a new artist who is my second guest, Keith Grasmick. But um, well, first off, welcome back, Stephen Petrovelli, and welcome to the first time on the show, Keith Grasmick. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, Steve. Oh, doing great. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's like, Keith, how are you? So nice to meet you. And uh, <laughs> hey, Steve, how's, how's it going? <laughs> I'm at that level. You've been here before. That's always like those late night talk shows when you get those comedians who, you know, they, you know, they're basically like lifers on the show. So when they go on, like they don't even have cards written up. Like we're just here to hang out and have a good time. (laughs) My goal is to be your Tom Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So now I got to go through, okay, who's our Tom Hanks? Who's our John Goodman? Uh, I guess Steve Martin was one of the SNL lifers for a while. Yeah. Oh, boy. But I feel bad because he's being the first timer here and he, well, I mean, granted he hangs out with you. So, I mean, you know, he's got to be cool and he's got to at least have a slightly warped sense of humor. So, I mean, I'm acting like the guy is like your total opposite. I've been listening to a bunch of the backlogs of the show and you've had a lot of great guests on and uh, it's it's great to be here. So, Steve, we'll start with you. Please let everybody know what the book's about. Retail is actually a story that I've wanted to tell for quite some time. I worked in retail in the King of Prussia Mall, which is the second largest mall in the country. First, of course, being Mall of America, then the King of Prussia Mall, which is in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I worked there for about seven years, working for a couple different companies, casual clothing, jewelry, and, and even a comic book store. And there was one day I was just walking around my job, and I just thought, you know, like, retail is an interesting setting and like a lot of people have done it it's like they should do a show like the office but set in retail and that's kind of where it started from and I, I i started getting more into comics and uh this idea that i said would be a really cool tv show just one day i thought oh like i'm a comic writer i should make it a comic and this is when i was really getting into things like box office poison strangers in paradise blankets books that are you know minimum wage books that are just about people and I'm a huge fan of that. And, you know, at the first uh, Creator After Con, we all like kind of talked about the books that made you want to write comics. You know, I lo- I've loved Spider-Man since I was a kid, but Spider-Man didn't really want to make me make comics. What made me want to make comics are books like Box Office Poison and especially Blankets, uh, you know, taking stories about real people and then using the comic medium to tell them. The black and white kind of relationship book is kind of a staple. And for me... I was always scared of making this book because black and white relationship books aren't really what sells nowadays in comics. And so 
uh, well, me and Sean, um, Sean kind of wanted to go with Sweetie, the first book I worked on. And he said, you know, I kind of want to go on my own. He's like, but let's like work on that retail project. I was excited, but then also scared. Um, and then I debuted it this year at C2E2 and did great. But to kind of go more into what the book is about, uh, retail is basically about the main character, Mark, who works at a clothing store uh, called BE Clothing. And he is a 20, 23-year-old uh, college English lit graduate who wants to write the next great American novel, but hasn't written a chapter in about three months. Not a spoiler, because I always say not a spoiler, because it happens in the first panel of the first book, but uh, he gets broken up with his long-term girlfriend, Emma, in the first book. And it's kind of him and this group of friends uh, that you will meet, uh, Charlie, who's his best friend uh, since they were kids. And then two characters you meet in the first book that work at a comic book store, Jack and Stacy. Uh, and they, and then um, there's another character, Thomas, that will get introduced in issue three. He gets a little sneak peek in issue two. And they kind of build this friendship and this kind of cohesive unit. Because I feel like when you're in your like early 20s, you really start kind of figuring out who like your friends are. And those people kind of get you through those times. Because you're out of college, you're out of the safety net. You're in that weird stage where you're not a kid anymore, but you're also not feeling like an adult. And a lot of times, you know, you graduate from college and, you know, especially if you're trying to do something like art related, you're usually not going to get a job right away that's related to that. So retail is a job that a lot of people end up having to basically take. And the thing that kind of gets you through it and the reason the tagline is the best worst job you'll ever have is because with retail, the hours suck. The pay usually sucks. A lot of times the managers and, and the company you will usually suck. Um, but you meet some really good friends. Uh, you meet some people that get you through it. And actually, the tagline was made by my best friend, uh, Andy, who I met while working at my first retail job. So, And he met his wife at that job as well. So that's kind of where it all came from. And, you know, the one thing I've kind of learned about this book and from writing it is that, you know, there's a lot of people that can relate to this. And that's kind of now what's pushing me forward And not just going beyond issue one, issue two, but, you know, keep writing is that in the mainstream world of Marvel and DC, do these books seem like they would sell? No. But I think when you get to that self-published, that low, that indie small press side, there's a lot of people that are looking for something different and looking for things that are just like, oh, I can relate with that. Right. You know, and and that's kind of what's driving me now is that making a, a very relatable book. Um, that either you're someone who has dealt with it or someone who um, is dealing with it. It can be like, damn it. Like, and that's what happened with me when I read Box of Us Poison and books like Scott Pilgrim, where I was like, damn it. Like, you know, someone gets it. Someone out there, you know, has, has been going what I'm going through right now. You know, whether it's girl problems or, you know, not knowing what you're doing. And that's kind of where it all came from. The longest elevator pitch ever. <laughs> no, but I think it's important to set that and something that we've talked about on, you know, your history of comics episodes is those books. You're right. They may not be super popular now, but, you know, there was a time, like I said, that those types of books sold because, yeah, everybody's used to superheroes. But I think in a way, the slice of life comics bring something new to the table because they bring in experiences that people can actually have because I'll never be Superman. I'll never be an alien from another planet, despite what people may think about my behavior sometimes. But, (laughs) you know, I'm not, I don't know what it's like to be from this other world and have these godlike powers, but I do know what it's like to be stuck working at a dead end job with a bunch of people spending the entire time ragging on, you know, the, the customers and the bosses that you hate. That's really why I really appreciated 
what you did with this book and so many who bring that realness and that relatability to comics. You know, I think there's a quote that John Darnielle of the Mountain Goats, um, which is one of my favorite bands uh, of all time, he did a, a show at Carnegie Hall and uh, he he said, um, I was like, if I could talk to my 16 year old self, I want to let you know that not only did we make it, but we were playing Carnegie Hall. And so part of what this book also goes through and I kind of when I when I go into it into further issues, it goes into, like I said, like, you know, with girls and that, but also goes into like anxiety disorders and depression and a lot of subjects that I basically in my writing have kind of wanted to, to tackle and at the end of the day, like a lot of the black and white, a lot of the indie stuff I, I know has gone towards like dark and dreary. And I know the end of issue one kind of like is ambiguous of whether or not it's like a downer or not. But like, I, I always want to make this book to be a little bit uplifting to be like, you know what? At the time you're mid early to mid twenties, you feel like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Where am I going? And that's how I felt. You know, I, I, I had no idea what was going on. And the one thing like I kind of want to give with this book is like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's kind of, you know, where, where I'm going uh, with that. So now bringing it to present day, now we're at issue two. And this is where we're bringing in Keith, who is uh, your new artist. So, Keith, how did you get involved in this crazy book about uh, dead and real tail jobs? We met at the Crater Connection event in the Chicago Comic Con, that C2E2. This was the second year I'd gone, and Stephen was coming around, and he had this really great-looking first issue. And it was definitely like a, a relatable story. You know, it, like like you guys are saying, it's, we, we've all been there, and I, I love Scott Pilgrim and everything like that. And uh, Stephen took a look at my portfolio, which was full of monster trucks and cyborgs and uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, muscle men battling. And uh, he's like, yeah, this would be a perfect fit. Uh, which you never would think it's like you look at like this crazy just like ships and monster trucks and post-apocalyptic and of course me being like this guy's perfect for a slice of life story where none of this will happen (laughs) i can just imagine keith being like all right question one have you been drinking and question two like are you sure you're right the right place (laughs) and then john and johnny c's like he better have been drinking Uh, this is absolutely the kind of thing where if I wasn't drawing it, I'd totally be reading it. So it's it's neat being on the inside of this. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's something that is outside my normal expertise. But it's like I had all this great art from Sean Dillon to show me who these characters were even the first time I picked it up. Uh, it was a great base to go on. And, and Steven's writing and direction for how the scenes and the story play out. It's been a blast to work on. And I've seen your work on your website and other places. And you're right. The art wouldn't necessarily, you you wouldn't think it would lend itself to slices of life, but there's a lot of action. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I think in a way it kind of works. It's a nice juxtaposition to, you know, like you said, the stuff that's the very boring every day that, yes, it is a book about the doldrums of early adulthood. But at the same time, that art, you know, it kind of makes it pop a little bit. So it's like, yeah, I mean, their lives may be boring, but it doesn't necessarily mean the art should be necessarily very flat because I don't know. I think it just is a really interesting fit. It was fun getting to know the characters throughout the course of the the book. And, you know, I, I feel like I got a handle on it. And I'm just excited to to keep on going with the story. Yeah, I think I think the thing for me that really kind of sold me on Keith was like everything I looked like we like we joked about like was nothing like retail. But I saw his his inks and his black and white work, and with it being a black and white 
uh, book, you know, the person had to be able to do well in black and white. And, you know, Keith, I thought really knocked it out of the park and, you know, with some talking and some showing some influences, you know, that I have in the kind of the way that I was, you know, I never want to tell an artist how to draw, but I, I do have a certain vision of what I think was best for the book. And Keith was able to just really knock it out of the park. And, you know, he he's helped me when it comes to, you know, some page layouts and different because at the end of the day, it's a lot of talking heads. And so you need to have ways of making that interesting. And Keith, I thought, did a really great job of being able to kind of keep the story going where, like, it's not just like, okay, these people are just talking because it's really all it is. So he did a really good job in issue right. two of, of really doing a, a good job of kind of making the story, uh, the pacing worked well. And uh, I thought he did a really good job of just like making it an exciting read. And, you know, even after like being ingrained in this book for so long, you know, when I finally like looked at issue two and had it kind of all said and done, I was like, all right. I was like, you know, it just it kind of was better than I could have uh, hoped for. So, Keith, um, going back to you real quick, um, I also am a fan of origin stories, and I think it would be a good place to let everybody know, like, sort of your background in terms of, like, you know, where you come from in terms of your artwork and, you know, stuff like that. Because, like I said, I really enjoy your art, but also it kind of makes sense because from what I'm understanding, you're also a huge fan of metal, which once I found that out, I'm like, all right, you know what? I like this guy already. Yeah, (laughs) well, absolutely a big metal fan. Um, That's the unlikely soundtrack to working on most of this stuff also. I love, you know, old heavy metal comics, 2000 AD stuff, pretty much anything with like rock and action. And uh, I need the music to really get me pumped for for drawing everything. And uh, no matter what it is, it's always going to be metal. Which is kind of funny considering that music plays heavily um, into retail itself. And I know you're like a massive Mountain Goats fan, <laughs> but granted, I also do know that, you know, from conversations we've had in the past, you know, you did, you know, let me know that you're also big into like a tray and poison a well. And I'm like, huh, how did that happen? <laughs> I've got, I've got the, I honestly. Uh, like to say that I have some of the most eclectic uh, music tastes there is. I don't know. I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of like, you know, if I if I like it, then I'll listen to it kind of point in my life. I, I got into Poison the Well and Atreyu and a lot of like the emo, screamo, pop punk stuff in high school. And that's a very influential time for me. And like that stuff kind of never leaves you. And so I really love and, and dug those bands. Uh, I got really into the Mountain Goats in college and have become a big fan to say the least um anytime they're anywhere near us i try to go see them live i'm seeing them live again in december i'm working my way through getting all of his uh available records on vinyl you know the uh for anyone who doesn't know uh, the mountain goats is a indie folk band led by john darniel who is the uh singer and also the songwriter and when you first hear him he's like his voice is very like unique and some people probably wouldn't like it because it's kind of i want to say what kind of this whiny but kind of this is like just twang to it or this thing that's not a normal front man but the more you listen to it, the more you get into it. And his lyrics are just out of this world. And he just cuts right to the core. And with me, he's just a biggest influence on this book as some of the comics I've written. Because one thing that he's kind of taught me is kind of just kind of get to the point and kind of get to like the bare bones when it comes to things. And, you know, he's a huge part of when I'm writing as I'll listen to him. 
I listen to also like to continue that. Like I listen to a lot of musicals. Like to finish the final parts of issue two, I was listening to a lot of Hamilton at the time. <laughs> uh, so like I, I honestly, like whatever kind of just just like making me in that mood. You know, I'll always be. I need music on to like to write, and I know there's a lot of people who don't do that. Um, but I need something that almost gets me kind of like zoned in into the computer and like won't let me leave. And you know once I'm like kind of in that zone and you know, whether it's the mountain goats, cause it's kind of like, I've listened to it so much that I'm kind of just like, you know, it's almost like white noise at this point or like having something <laughs> that's specific to the script I'm writing. Like, um, Johnny C I, I wrote a Sartana script for him cause he wants to do like, do as a, like a backup, uh, eventually. And I listened to, um, on repeat for pretty much finishing the entire script. I had uh Johnny Cash's hurt just on repeat over and over and over and over again. I'm not laughing because it's like, obviously that's not a song you laugh at, no. but it's just very odd. Cause I'm like, man, your retail experiences are a lot worse than mine. <laughs> well, this is for Sartana. Like, uh, okay. This, I was is about for, to say, this is for like, this is for like a, a Western. And to me that just like hit the right chord. Right. And so like, I was like, okay, this is getting me in the groove just hit repeat and like just kind of go so yeah my retail experience there probably were some days where i wanted to listen to hurt by johnny cash after leaving my job though so it would it might make it in the rotation again sometime soon well you got some stuff like no children was always one of my favorites after leaving class where i'm just like you know what screw this day so it still works no children is one of my favorite songs by him uh this year it was funny to kind of connect to someone who uh, who's been on the show. I, I think I'm pretty positive she Enrique's been on the show, right? Yeah, twice. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I I figured she'd be on the show. I was talking to her one time, and I I forget how it came up, but we were just kind of talking about where I was and kind of the projects I was looking at. And it was at New York Comic Con, and she's like, "Oh, you're about like it sounds like you're about a year away from like kind of really having a project like you know kind of coming out." And so that kind of became my mantra. I was like this year. And so I'd listened to this year so much. And then the next year, Sweetie happened. So it, it actually came true, which is really cool. But like for a while and even still, like this year is one of those songs that like if I really need to try to get myself motivated, like that song goes on. And it's like, you know, I could be tired, whatever, you know, depressed, you know, hungry. You know, I put that song on. It's like it's like as, as much as if I don't want a script, that song kind of forces me to script. <laughs> so now I'm curious, though, what, to figure out, okay, Keith, what are you listening to while you're working on retail? Because it's like... <laughs> oh, it's, you know, funeral doom metal, uh, some howling Canadian black metal. It's all in French. It's not like you could understand it anyways. You know, stuff from all over the place. The thing that I love is there's old school thrash metal. There's the classics like Priest and Iron Maiden. And you can pick any direction and just go down the rabbit hole and keep finding, you know, deeper and deeper bands of uh, whatever it is you're interested in. So there's there's a metal for every season, I think. <laughs> right. My thing is this, though, like, and as someone who now, I mean, granted, I can't draw for shit, but I mean, I do write and something usually fast paced with something metal is always kind of fun. Like, usually depending on, like you said, the type of music and the time signatures. But one genre I realized I can't write to is drone. I can't do drone metal. As much as I love it, I realized I space out too much. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's that's part of the part of the fun of it, though, right? It's just, you know, repetitive and gets in your brain and it just becomes part of the atmosphere that you're working in. <laughs> right. But then I realized, like, I'd be getting my uh, stepdaughter ready for school. So some mornings I would just put on. All right. Well, whatever I'm listening to. So there was the day we were both listening to Torch and I missed the school bus because we were both literally just sitting there, just kind of vibing out, not realizing, oh, wait a minute, that was your bus that just went past, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to which her reply was and she starts laughing at the end of it because the song's like wow this song ends funny because it's literally about like three minutes of just feedback <laughs> it's like all right that's it i'll drive you to school but maybe we'll listen to something um at least that we could both concentrate on while we're listening to it playlists have always fascinated me when it comes to like creators and like stuff like that and like to see like the two like drastically different ones with me and keith like even just knowing that is like i always knew keith like like was into metal but like just like knowing those drastically different playlists i think that's hilarious <laughs> and i think it also just works for the book because you guys have very i shouldn't say very different disciplines but you kind of meet in the middle but i figured for any pairing you know there's a reason why the like the buddy cop genre works so well you know to have someone who approach things from the opposite angle even if it is just in terms of working on comics, you kind of need that every so often. Because if you're too on the same page, I feel like it won't make it nearly as enjoyable. Granted, I'm not saying you guys should be like, you know, trying to punch and kick each other the whole time. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that happened, I don't know. I don't judge. But I figured. <laughs> I think the cool thing about it is that, you know, and the one thing that I and I think I've probably said this several times, I and mean, probably even on your podcast, um, I, I never got the writers who always were like, this is my script and draw it exactly how it is and don't ask any questions. Cause to me, like it's a collaboration. It's a, it's, it's words and it's pictures. And if you're not having your artist or, you know, your writer giving you more input when it comes to it, then you're losing, you know, half the fun, you know, there was one scene in particular in issue two, uh, where there are kind of two ways I was thinking about writing it. And Keith, I was like, well, which way do you like? And I was like, I was like, just, just tell me. And he's like, I think it's better this way. And I was like, okay. And that's what we went with. And it was the right decision. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you're working on a comic together, it doesn't matter, you know, for the most part, like whose original idea it was, you know, I think if you've got two creative minds, like listen to them both, like, you know. Yeah. yeah it's like you get another set of eyes on everything. And it's fun to, fun to have a hand in how things play out. And, you know, all the changes, it's like, wow, I'm really glad you said something because uh, I put it to print and just had it be totally wrong. So. <laughs> Even with music, like it's, I mean, you, yeah, you can be a solo performer, but like, you know, if you're in a band, it's collaborative. It's always fun when someone comes in and is like, hey, check it out this way. And you're like, well, why the hell would I do it that way? And then you look at it, you're like, ah, oh, crap, you're a genius. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the great things about comics is that you get that everyone kind of brings their own flavor to the table and, you know, really like changes how the issue is. And, you know, that was the one thing that I really enjoyed about about working with Keith uh, is that just, you know, he took the script, he, he read it, he was, you know, laying it out, doing all doing all that. And then, you know, anytime like I was like, hey, like, what about this? He'd be like, OK, like, you know, like, let's. You know, he was fully like opening to like, even if something was already drawn, you know, he'd be like, you know, we can change it like we can do that. And like, you know, I, I really enjoyed that of just like kind of not like the comics alive, but like kind of like you're, it's constantly kind of evolving where like it kind of got to the point where like, OK, this is where we're happy with it. And now like it is, you know, going to be uh, coming out. So maybe eventually we can have a deleted scene special or something. 
<laughs> yeah, this the the special these the special what 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 they call oh, what they call it like the uh the secret files. Yeah. The secret <laughs> files issues of uh of retail where we're going to have deleted scenes. Uh, it's going to be coming in five different variant covers. Um <laughs> please tell me there's foil. Please tell me there are foil covers <laughs> covers. Chromium there. covers and holographic covers. Yes. That's what comes. <laughs> Oh, and there's got to be pouches though. There aren't pouches and shoulder pads. I'm not oh, reading God. issue three. I'm just saying it right now. Uh, this is this is <laughs> one of my favorite things. So in issue two, um, Mark goes back to the comic book store. Duh. I remember our conversation, and I, I'm pretty sure Keith was like talking to me, and he's just like, "Well, we got all these comics on the wall." He's like, "Do you want me to draw like little pictures on all of them?" And I was like, I was like, "You don't have to do that." And he's like, "Oh, we'll see." And then literally, I'm going through the book. Half the fun for me is going through the comic book store. Keith went through and drew little Easter eggs to, let's just say, characters that may or may not be in comics and or movies on all the comics. And huh. it's, it's fun to go through and kind of be like, oh, that's that guy. That's that guy. That's that guy. So, of course, none of them are from anything. You know, they're all public domain. A hundred percent. But like even that like stuff is like is really cool, and I think the one thing about Keith that I'm really excited about is like he's he's very excited about the project, and and for me to have someone who literally on the back of the first issue I was like, this is my passion project, this is something that I've wanted to do for so long, it makes me happy because it feels like okay, you know I don't have to be like, oh man, issue two is done. Uh, issue three okay i need to find somebody else who's really good because i've been able to find really talented artists who have wanted to work with me like knock on wood like i've been very lucky in that sense that like i found a lot of writers whose work is solid but like you know the art isn't fantastic and sometimes when you're indie you kind of if you want to get something out maybe you find a buddy who is an artist in your local area and you work with them sometimes it may not be the best but you're like hey at least i have something with me like with sean and with and with keith I've been so lucky to have two guys who are just like, you know, just really talented and more talented than I am. And like, you know, it's, it's been fantastic. Creator connection has been a great opportunity for so many people to, to just meet each other. I, I feel like yeah. it's had a lot of success with that. With creator after con, that's really where Steve and I bonded. And I mean, yeah, I think he had been on the show prior to even a, Wait, did we meet before or after? So we met at Creator after Con. It was the Con, okay. I think I had met you, but like not really talked that much. And then I think, I don't know if it was Special Edition or NYCC, I think it was when Sweetie had come out, and you liked the book, and, and we talked for a while, and like we really hit it off. And that's kind of where it kind of went from there, and like, you know, talking about Power Rangers and, you know, all that stuff was just like taking us to like a different level. I want to do something with Power Rangers in this book. Like, I don't know. Like, I think there needs to be some sort of amalgam because um, of how much I love that. But uh, <laughs> that's where we met. And I was really excited that like Keith was someone that I could meet because, like, you know, with the Create After Con networking that I started with with Jay Jacob and, and with Stan Cho, I was um, really excited to be like, oh, cool. Like, I met someone at Create Connection, Create After Con 2 now, and I can, like, kind of boast that. And to not go off on a tangent, but in issue two, there is a slight cameo where someone mentions a comic book artist and his last name is Cho, and that is a reference to Stan Cho. And I think it speaks to volumes, the importance and just the awesomeness that is having those types of either events or settings where you can meet people you can collaborate with. 
and actually just fairly recently had this discussion with Jeff Ryder about the fact that at Comic-Con, there are people who are there just as fans. There are people who are there to do cosplay, but there's some people there who are looking for hopefully someone that will help bring their vision out. They may be creators themselves. And Mm -hmm. it's hard, you know, especially at a larger con where you do have so many people who are kind of going this way and that way, and you may feel a little bit lost. So having an event like that where someone like you and Keith can meet up, I think that's also just really cool. And the fact that he's as excited, just, you know, even hearing it in his voice now, you're like, Keith, you know what? Well, granted, if he wasn't excited, I don't think he'd be on the show because it'd just be completely weird if Steve's like, yeah, I'm having a great time with this book. And Keith's like, I fucking hate this book. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm super pumped on it. It's like, yeah, books, books. It'd be even worse if, like, if, like, we were, if I was just like, I love this book. Um, yeah, it's really, uh, <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, just check it out if you want. I don't really care. Like, whatever. <laughs> Meanwhile, Keith is just like, I love this book too, but then you still hear the chain of where he's like shackled to the table <laughs> behind him in the recording. He's like, can you stop shaking your leg? That's coming in in the recording, and it's really hard to hear you with the chains on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, for for me, um, you know, I think the goal for a lot of this was, uh, and kind of starting, was to be able to tell the story, because I think when you're anyone, you want to be able to tell the stories you, you want to tell, and, you know, I, I love Spider-Man, and, and you know, I, I love uh, Superman, and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, retail hits, hits, hits a mark with me, too, and it's not just, you know, the idea of working in retail. I always said that, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, really great strips that talk about retail. There's a retail uh, comic strip that my girlfriend reads and she, and she really likes. Um, and then uh, Beardo, uh, Dan Doherty, who is an amazing cartoonist, and his final page that he just put up went viral. And his was like autobiographical and the first couple of volumes about him being a barista. And he does great stuff in the strip format. But for me, kind of doing a full comic... I felt like I couldn't just do little gag jokes of just like customer suck, haha, punchline, you know, and I've had people who, you know, kind of thought that's what the book was going to be. I've had reviewers tell me that. But to me, I felt like I kind of had to go more into it. I didn't want to make a book that you had to have worked retail to to appreciate or had to have worked some sort of customer service job. I think if you're someone who never worked a job in retail in your life and you just like stories about people, like if you like clerks, if you like how I met your mother, if you like friends, like you'll dig this book because at the end of the day, it's about people trying to get through everyday life and like trying to figure out what's my next step. You know, what's what's the next thing that that I do for me, where it also keeps relating is that, you know, we're all still dealing with that. You know, I, <laughs> I just turned 30 and with me, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, you know, still doing the comic thing, still doing all that. So I still very much as much as Mark is me in a very different place. Um, it, there's still a lot with him that I that I relate with. Well, yeah, and you know, as someone who used to write a lot of stuff that was happening at the time, I think it's with a little bit of distance, a little bit more, I guess, wisdom. Maybe it's wisdom. I don't think it's wisdom, but just looking at it, you know, a little bit past it, I think it's easier to kind of write more about. Well, it. the thing is, is that, and I'll I'll make no qualms about it. If I would have been trying to quote unquote make retail at the time, it wouldn't have gotten made. Um, because I wouldn't have written it, you know, I, that was a time where, and again, like 
the Mark character is kind of dealing with this is that there's a lot of writers who like saying they're writers more than actually being writers, I feel. <laughs> um, and I was one of those guys, 100%. I would put stuff on Facebook, I would put stuff on Twitter, and I make no qualms about that because at the end of the day, that's something that I did. And that's kind of what Mark does. You know, the ending of issue one is him trying to go and really start working on this book. And then he doesn't, you know, <laughs> and, and that's I did that so many times. We're like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to script. And that's like the only time I'm just like, I need to wash the dishes. That's like the only time that I ever had the thought in my life of like, you know, I need to do this <laughs> or I need to clean this up, you know, because I ever felt like if I started, you know, maybe it wasn't going to be good. But now I'm at a point in my life where I'm proud of the fact that when I kind of started, you know, where Mark is, I would say I'm scripting something and I wouldn't be. It was made to impress girls. I'll make <laughs> make no bones about that. Like, honestly, it was like, so they're like, oh, he's an artist. So sophisticated. Uh, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll date him now. Um, but now I'm, I'm much more quiet about things. You know, I, I don't post a lot about writing, you know, or that I am writing. I kind of let just the, let the projects speak for themselves in, in, in a way where I'll be like, you know, I, I might be like, oh, something's coming down the pipes. But like, I'd ever want to be like being like working on, you know, page one of issue three. Woo. Like, you know, I want to be able to be like, here's my book. It's done. Keith, this is where you come in, because in that way, you know, Steve will be very reserved that, yeah, there's a book. It's there. But see, this is where you got to just be like, shit. Yeah. Retail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do got to work on my uh, social media presence. I'm I'm usually pretty quiet too, and I'll just sit around until I have something that I want to show off. I am chipping away at him. My goal for New York Comic Con, and I will make it for you, is for Keith to get on Twitter. Did you give him the full spiel, or did you just give him the "it'll be great" speech? Because it's like... I think I just gave him the "it'll be great." Okay, that's good. Because you know what? You know what the problem is? Don't do the thing I did. Because there was a buddy of mine was like, "Yeah, you should totally tweet," and then it's like, "Oh, wait a minute. Oh boy." You didn't tell me all this was going to be going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a canon now. Like, it, it helps you so much. Like, I had someone recently interview me and ask me if I'm going to get on Diamond. And <laughs> working in a comic book store and also just knowing the industry, I kind of, I laughed. And I didn't mean to kind of, like, laugh at the question. But I was like, it, it takes a lot to get on Diamond. And with how much money comic book stores are spending on Marvel and DC and Image and all that, it's going to take a very special store to be like, you know what? This self-published book that uh, doesn't have a publisher behind it that I think is kind of cool, I will buy at most five copies, if that. Social media has allowed me to be able to expand my fan base uh, just beyond the Philadelphia region. You know, I have pre-orders and orders um, from places from like... (laughs) The far off lands. But like for me, it's a big deal. But like (laughs) Wisconsin and Connecticut and, you know, places where I can't get them into stores, I have people ordering them because they like the book. And to me, that that really means a lot. And that's the great part about it is that, you know, and you can meet new people and all that. And for me, you know, that's why it's such an ally is because I've been able to expand, you know, my reach of, you know, I've got some great stores that, that have it here. I have it up at Carmine Comics, of course, in New York City. And a lot of local stores in Philly, but like, you know, I, it's hard for me to get to stores in, you know, all 50 states. But like, you know, if someone wants to get issue one, pre order issue two, or eventually, you know, buy issue two and beyond, you know, just click on the computer and I ship it to you. As of right now, the book is still available for pre-order, correct? As of right now, the book is still available for pre-order. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, you know that one of the perks for the pre-orders was uh, a, a cameo with your first 10. Those are now all gone. But you still get a cool thing uh, if you pre-order. Um, there's going to be a print of issue two's cover 
that will be signed by both me and Keith. And that will also be given with issue two as well as you get it before anybody else in any stores. Um, so pre-orders are still are still up. Um, you can pre-order them on my website, which is stevenpetravelli.com. Or if you click the shop now page on, on our Facebook page, that will link you to uh, the shop at my website as well. Awesome. Very cool. So, uh, Keith, will you be at NYCC? Absolutely. Uh, me and my wife are getting all geared up to go. We're really excited to meet some new people and some some old faces. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, cool. See, what we should do, though, is between now and then try to get, like, some sort of, like, trending topic going to get Keith on Twitter in time for NYCC. So that way, by the time the weekend's over, like, his page is just completely flooded. I don't know why that sounds kind of <laughs> cruel in retrospect. Cause that just sounds like I'm slowly ruining his life. <laughs> it's like blow up his phone. <laughs> we should. <laughs> With good we intentions. Should. Yeah. Otherwise I'd be sending out like, like check out retail and it's like a carrier pigeon or a message in a bottle or something. I'd be okay with it. Buttons. That'd be awesome. It's like the only the only comic book that's like, how indie are we? We we advertise through carrier pigeon. That's how indie we are. <laughs> I was gonna say nothing's more DIY than attaching a note to a bird and sending it off into the Hey world. man. And we, there's a lot of pigeons in Philly, and so like, I'll just grab one. Put someone's gonna like find it and be like, "What the hell is retail? Why is it on this bird? What does everything mean?" <laughs> See, I love how in my vision of it, you know, someone's being enlightened, being like, "Hey, this is new. Your, your guy just kind of sounds like he's having like this existential crisis." You haven't been to Philadelphia, have you? <sighs> Okay, look, see, this is how you get me in trouble, because you're asking about Philadelphia, knowing full well I'm from northern Jersey, and sporting-wise, that's a very dangerous topic, good sir. Yeah, how about them Giants? Um, Oh, ouch. (laughs) Look, you guys got your one, you know what? We were already 0-2, it's not like you, you know what? It was was low-hanging fruit, so don't even get me started. Low-hanging fruit? But anyway... No, I'm just saying, we were already sucking, so it's not like you, you know, defeated a giant. We were already kind of... Well, okay, you defeated a giant, but... You know what I mean? Like, we already kind of sucked the season. Everyone's just like, how did sports get in my comic book podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, considering a lot of people really do enjoy the hockey talk, which at that point, you know, screw the Flyers, but that's neither here nor there. Nah. Yeah, I you know what I didn't know Mario's from freaking Philly. I didn't realize that until he was on your show, and I looked at his like Twitter profile. <laughs> Philly represent. What can I say, Keith? You're uh, you're well. You're from Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was born outside Detroit, and my family lives up on Beaver Island in Lake Michigan. Ah, so it's like Lions country out there. Uh, yeah, but I went to art school, so I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, for me, like, I just, like, kind of had to, because, like, in Philly, it's like, you like the birds, right? I'm just like, I guess I have to. Um, and the, the fact that you even just called Eagles the birds, that just gives me everything <laughs> I need to know about the region, because I'm like, wow, at, at least just get the, the you know, the winged creature. And you got the general term, but you didn't realize there are other birds in sports, because you're like, oh, you like the birds, right? Yeah, the Seahawks are great. <laughs> You know what, Adrian? Uh oh, have we have we ruined it? No, no. I just don't bring don't bring it. The one thing I also love about this book <laughs> is I do represent <laughs> Philadelphia very well. Is that and and one thing is that you know New York gets a ton of love. <laughs> you know New York gets all this love with all the comics. But I said screw it. I'm gonna make a book uh, that's set in Philadelphia in the Philadelphia suburbs because I love Philly. And you can't say anything to change that. 
And yes, it is a very interesting city. Uh, but you know what? Uh, go Birds. Uh, go Sixers. Uh, <laughs> go Phillies. Uh, look, as someone who's been drunk several times in your uh, your hometown there, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> and yes, I have actually been like completely plastered in King of Prussia also. So you know what? You That's all right. You guys got a good con out there. Um, well, no, actually, it wasn't King of Prussia. Um, it was... So like Oaks? It was Oaks. That's right. It was Oaks for uh, too many games. Were we friends at that point? Because if you son of a bitch, if you're in the area and you didn't tell me, I was going to be very upset with you. Okay, you're going to be very upset because this was 2015. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, though, I don't know where... I always feel like kind of stalkery because like, you know, if I showed up in your area and be like, hey, I'm out of here, it's like, why? <laughs> I had a very similar conversation with Erica Schultz. At this point, like I was like, I, I was just like, I don't know if I'm friends with her or not. Like she's a mentor, but like at the same time, like she's a, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm just like, or uh, you know, I went to New York City and like I took a picture that's kind of an inside joke with us and sent it to her, and she's like, "Are you in New York?" And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Why didn't you tell me?" And I was like. I don't know. She's like, we would have gotten lunch. I'm just like, I'm sorry. Please don't be mad at me. <laughs> Erica's one of my favorite people in the entire world. But it's like one of those things where it's just like your con family from like your kind of normal life. You're always worried. It's like, are we friends or like, are we just friends at the convention? And like when you get from home, it's just like, who's that? It's just like some of those nerds that I hang <laughs> out with every once a year. I'm excited to see all those nerds again. Absolutely. And, and um, hopefully uh, Keith will get to meet you as well. Because, I mean, see, that well, that'd be different. Like, okay, having met Keith fairly recently through you now, if I showed up two days from now, that would be kind of fucked up. Well, I, I do get a pull-out couch, so you're more than welcome. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Well, see, well, I show up with, like, booze and, like, a, a bunch of vinyl. I don't know if you're into vinyl. Do you see his beard? He's into vinyl, man. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? So, well, is it certain length of beard that you're into vinyl? Because if it's too short, you're like, you know what, you're into vinyl. But then the longer it is, like, okay, you're into vinyl. The length of the beard tells you how, you know, how, how much you, you enjoy. It's like, no, no, no. It's like I'm in the A tracks, and like the beard's like all the way down to like your like belly button. I want to <laughs> know when cassette tapes are going to become cool again. Oh no, cassette tapes have been back. Since when? There's a, a few indie bands, um, even some local that have actually been slowly releasing stuff on cassettes, but I don't think, at least not to me, I don't think it has the same feel as, okay, when vinyl came back, it made sense. Because music on vinyl, it's not a hipster thing. It just sounds better. It just, it's the truth. You could say that, but there's still going to be somebody who's going to be like, oh, Adrian. Between the three of us, I think we could do like another two-hour podcast just on sound compression. <laughs> as, as long as they're yeah they're not all beat up and degraded and stuff that is a totally different no story. i love like that's where i kind of am a little bit like I'll, I'll not like to the point where you can't listen to it but i love like the like the skips and the hisses like uh there's a great record shop right by me on south street called repo records and they have like and like a lot of record stores they have like the dollar you know like the dollar like section and like all that this is a folk nerds <laughs> advice Go to punk rock record stores because you will find folk albums for crazy cheap. You can you can find like you know <laughs> Kingston Trio records for nothing. Someone dropped them off accidentally. <laughs> exactly, and they're just like, we're not going to sell these. So like, uh, uh, yeah, it's a dollar, and I'm just going down there and I'm just like picking them all up. And my girlfriend loves musicals, and again, another thing that at a punk rock record store is going to be super cheap musicals. So like, yeah. Anybody who loves folk, go to the punk rock record stores because they're usually pretty darn cheap. 
So, <laughs> but just a little piece of advice. See, now we're gonna have to just like have you guys back on to just talk final, like as far as the general collections, because I, it really does depend on the player and also the album. Because like I said, music just generally sounds better since you don't have to squeeze all the sound into a small digital file. Don't get me wrong, I love my MP3s, I love my you know compressed audio, but. I don't know. I think I'm a different hipster where even like dealing with lossless files kind of bugged me out because I'm like, there's no way this album should be like five gigs. I'm sorry. This either might show me that I'm a major record noob or you might really kind of think this is cool. So the last Mountain Goats record, which is really, really good, is called Goth. And um, it, he does actual like orchestral, like goth, like choir. Like the first song is like a rockin' song that has like a, a, a gothic choir uh, in the chorus, and it's amazing. But then he also does goth, like the cure from like the 1980s, and it's it's so cool. The standard speed on records, I believe, is like 30, is it the 33 RPM? That's like, that's like most, because it's like 33, 45, and then like something else. Right. So like, a standard is 33, and I was playing it, and like, it was like, it was sounding like really weird, and I was like, why is this so off? His album, he purposely made it like the 45 or something like that. Like he made it like a little slower, a little faster. I don't know exactly what it does, but like it was it was it was kind of cool that he like changed the setting like on the album. I, I don't know if that was like an homage to something. I don't know. We can cut that whole part. Nope, out. I'm not cutting it out. It all stays in. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they made it, you know, past 100. Then, you know, they know what they're getting into. The episode with Mario uh, was amazing. It was one of my favorite things ever. I think it started around a time, and I really had to thank Fabian for it, because I think he was the one that, just because the minute I got thrown out of my chair, everything at that point was just like, all right, it's going to be one of those kind of shows. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, did I take your seat? And like, I'm expecting Fabian to just be like, oh, no, it's fine. It's just like, he's like, no, it's my fucking chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But I, I would love to talk more music, though. But I guess we probably should wrap up at some point. But um, hopefully um, we'll be able to chat a little bit more um, at NYCC, where I'll definitely be at Creator After Con. Matter of fact, we probably should throw that out. Um, yeah. Oh, don't sound so upset about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know I'm just fucking with you. Uh, <laughs> Creator <Look>. After Con. <laughs> let, me, let me do my pitch. <laughs> I've got two things in this world. And this is one of them. Um, Creator Aftercon, one of my proudest things I've worked on, of course, after retail. Sorry, Jay. Sorry, Stan. Sorry, uh, Johnny. And sorry, Jeff. But is the truth. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I love them. It's like your children. You can't pick which one. Um, <laughs> except you do, really. Um, so <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> things just got dark. Maybe that will show up an issue of retail. Probably. Um, anyway, uh, so Creator Aftercon is a networking group for inspiring comic creators, podcasters, uh, just comic fans in general. This is a very casual setting. It is going to be at Twins Pub, uh, which is very close to the Java Center, a hop, skip, and a jump. It starts at 7.30. It will be going to 11 p.m. or when they kick us out. Twins Pub is great. We're in the upper area. It will be happening both Friday and Saturday night. Uh, Please come, even if you're not going to the convention, stop by because guess what you don't need a pass to get in you just have to come up uh you know just hang out and you get to talk comics maybe meet a collaborator on something or just meet buddies meet friends so you know definitely come out to it it's one of my favorite things i get to do all year i get to see uh some of my my best friends uh adrian included in that 
and just you know just talk comics and talk the industry and then it, there's nothing better than that and mr grassmick will you be there as well I will be there, and I, I can't wait to see you guys. And anybody who wants to show up, it's going to be a good time. Thank you both so much. And also, Steve, see, now you did that. You know what? You put the friend thing at the end, and it's like, don't you feel like shit for crapping on Philly now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to you. <laughs> that's what you do. You you, you can't, That's why we're the city of brotherly love. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost like borderline like Canadian. That was like almost righteous indignation right there. <laughs> Can I just can I just say where my social media is and we can just end? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that was going to be the next part anyway. But <laughs> do you want to do it? Did I did I step on your toes as a host? Do you want to ask me? Or you're not going to ask me about the Giants, are you? No, no. Do you want to ask me? Do you want? Oh, as far good. as the social networking, my bad. I'm still <laughs> I'm still in mourning right now. Oh, and three, the season has even fucking started. Don't. I'm sorry. I'm 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 okay now. I'm I'm good. It's okay. We've been off the rails for like 20 minutes. That's all right. We'll pare it down. We always do. But um, before we head <laughs> out... <laughs> we'll pare it down. Uh, this week on the episode, I have Keith Grassmick and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for Steve, uh, please you know put out your social media uh, information. And also for Keith, um, the social media stuff you will have... <laughs> My Twitter and Instagram, which is the main place where you'll find me, is at Steve underscore Petro, which is spelled P-E-T-R-O. That is Instagram and Twitter. Uh, follow me. It's a good time. I promise I will not spam too much about my book. Uh, I tried not to, but, I, uh, you know, man's got to eat. Uh, and then also uh, kind of retweet a lot of Jack Kirby art. So, you know, also do that. Facebook.com slash Retail Comic Book. Uh, where I put video blogs up, kind of giving updates, as well as I've got some interviews even that I've done on there talking about retail life with some really great creators, Dirk Manning, Dan Doherty. And uh, finally, stephenpetrovelli.com for, again, anything uh, me-related, which sounds so egotistical. No, this is the other half of it. This is the promotional side. Don't worry. I, I got this part covered. You're okay. <laughs> and uh, if we, you want to get Keith on Twitter, uh, hashtag... Uh, that's right. We need a hashtag. before. We, that's right. We can't leave without getting at least one hashtag again uh how about uh hashtag i don't even use facebook something like <laughs> he doesn't actually everything he's like alan moore i just send everything via carrier pigeon so, you know. <laughs> well i was gonna say that covers the beard part yeah <laughs> now you just have to learn some spells because he's a magician oh that's very true <laughs> see you have stuff out there and i know you have some other work though but please keith you know anywhere where more people can see your art because they should because it's fucking badass. So please, by all means, anywhere where they can see it, let us know. My site is at keithgrassmick.com. That's uh, G-R-A-S-S-M-I-C-K. And I also have some work from some of the other Comic-Con guys at themarkcomics.com. That's uh, Andrew and Dan Feeney. And I'm doing some stuff for my friend's brewing company up north. It's the whiskeypointbrewingcompany.com on Beaver Island. So if you want to check that out, we'll have some more beer designs up there soon, too. See, that's the stuff I'm talking about. I don't know. I've I've noticed that's kind of been picking up more and more is breweries and like artists kind of coming together. Because these are two things I love very much. And the fact that so many of my favorite things are starting to blend into each other. Like, I feel like th this is the greatest time to be alive. That's awesome. Congrats, man. Oh, thanks. Well, I'll send you some of the designs. It's it's coming along pretty nice. I was really hoping he'd say he sent me some beer. That's what I was really I, hoping. 
I'll do that too because that's coming along great too. So thanks, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And I can't wait to uh, share it with you guys soon. But that'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues. And we will see you next issue. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> Keep it in. Keep that in. <laughs> <laughs>